How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. I speak to you now in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Well, welcome to Holy Trinity Anglican Church. Well, the priest in charge prays just like that. Someone rightly said, he who sings prays twice. And if that is true, I must be a praying wonder. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife, who has to listen to me pray while I'm in the shower. Some of you might be wondering why I started this, this service with such a familiar hymn. Well, because it gets at the heart of the gospel. John 3.16. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. I, I know you all have your Bibles uh, because they're in those lovely pews. And if you don't have a Bible uh, that is in the pew in front of you, please share with your neighbor. Uh, just get real close to them and cuddle up. Uh, tell them the priest told you to do so. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that who believe, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order the, that, but that in order the, that, but in order that the world may be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is, con, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of his only son, the only son of God. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked, wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so, that they may be, so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in the name of God. This is the heart of the gospel. These verses not only reflect and show God's generosity and his intent of sending Jesus Christ into the world, it also acknowledges a present conflict. While it is true, Jesus Christ stretched out his arms on the hardwood of the cross in order that all that would come to within the reach of his saving embrace. The fact of the matter is, not everybody wants to come to Jesus or at least Jesus is not at the top of the top of the priority list for everyone in the world. Why? The scriptures tell us that it is because they shun the light of Christ, because of their evil works. And some love darkness more than they love Christ. And for fear that, that, for fear that the light of Christ would expose their deeds, they reject the gospel and keep Christ safely at arm's length. If you've ever, if you've been at Holy Trinity for any length of time, uh, you know that since I've come here, we've kind of doubled our evangelistic efforts. Uh, that's been a task from the vestry and, and from our rector uh, and even from our bishop. We've doubled our evangelistic efforts because we understand that Christ calls all who love him 
to share in the efforts of bringing the world into his saving knowledge. And yet, if you've ever tried to do evangelism, you know that evangelism is hard work. You have to have tough skin. Why? Simply because not everyone wants to hear about Jesus. We live in a culture in which to share our faith openly or to hold up God's standard for holiness and righteousness might get us labeled as a bigot. Or it might even be considered hate speech. Some men love their darkness and will attack you and your civil liberties in order to preserve it. If that is you this morning, if you are under attack, if your soul is weary from civil persecution, if you are burdened down by life and all of its cares, if you constantly find yourself asking and saying, there must be a better way, if the business of soul winning has completely worn you out, Jesus has an answer for you this morning. He says, come. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, I don't have time to unpack this idea of rest this morning. And if you would like to know more, uh, please see me after service, and I'd be happy to share and discuss or give you my notes on the matter. But let it suffice to say that Jesus here, when he is speaking about rest, he is not simply talking about temporal rest. Rest from our life, rest from, this la- from our labors. Jesus is offering a Sabbath rest, eternal rest for our souls in the gift of eternal life. In our text, we see that Jesus is no stranger to rejection or persecution. And he understands that, that not everyone will believe in his message. And yet, he acknowledges that and still chooses to love them in spite of the fact that not everyone will receive him as the Son of God or receive him as Lord, he still says to them, come. In this morning's gospel, we see the people not only reject God or John's call to repentance, refusing to grieve their transgressions, but we also see them reject Jesus' gift of love. In fact, men love their sin so much that they actually said of John that he had a demon and even accused Jesus of drunkenness. So what does Jesus do after people reject him? He goes to people who will receive him. He goes to minister to those, those tax collectors, those sinners, those who aren't so self-righteous and understand that, in fact, they do need a Savior, who've come to understand that he is, in fact, not only the way or a better way, but he is, in fact, the way. The only way, the only way to God, Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus continues to offer those who love him, those who reject him, love. Extending to even those who hate him, the gift of eternal life. You see, everyone has a choice. You see, Jesus provides for us those who are wearied down by the burdens of life, whether it's by sin or persecution or even by rejection, personally, or even if someone has rejected your own evangelistic efforts, Jesus provides for us a way, a way of escape. And it's not to run to the world and to the cares of this world and to the things that fill vain and empty voids. 
We are to run to Jesus. He says, come. Not only come and rest, but take my yoke upon you and learn from me so that when you work in this, so that when your work in this life is over, you might enjoy eternal rest. Eternal rest in me. And one thing I want to share before I close, I want to talk about a yoke. What is it? A yoke is something that farmers use typically to hold oxen together. One animal is typically younger, full of energy, but inexperienced. The other is older, stronger, and far more experienced. And by joining these two together, the farmer gets the best of both worlds. The speed and zeal of the younger ox and the expertise and strength of the older one, which ultimately means, ultimately means for the farmer more efficiency and a double, as he's able to double his efforts and work and increase his heart and increase his harvest. And yet the farmer in his zeal for bigger and a better harvest has to be careful not to overwork the young ox. For he is not used to carrying such a heavy load and lest he become overburdened and crushed in spirit. He must remove the yoke from time to time. Jesus uses the farming analogy of a yoke, which was popular at that time to convey his message of love and his method of discipleship. As Christians, we are not to wear ourselves out by carrying the, by carrying the burdens of the entire world, burdens which are too heavy for us. We are simply to come to Jesus and he promises to refresh us. Christ invites all who love him to join him in the harvesting of souls. And yet he models this, he models this by being gentle and lowly of heart. He models his love in humility. He offers himself in humility. You see, we have to understand that while it is God's will that no one should die apart from Jesus' saving embrace and that all should come to faith through the waters of, and be joined to Christ through the waters of holy baptism after repentance, Jesus forces himself on no one. He only makes an offer, for everyone has a choice. And after the offer has been made, people are free to, either cho- to, free to choose to either embrace him or reject him. Let us remember that we do not advance the gospel of God by engaging in heated debates or by beating each other over the head with scripture in the name of truth. We do Jesus no favor by lording our moral superiority or spiritual enlightenment over sinners. That is not what Jesus did to us. He loved us often in spite of us. He loved us, and so we must love them. We join Christ in the ministry of reconciliation only by modeling the love which we have received from Christ himself, who said, it is only by modeling this kind of love that you prove that you are one of my disciples. And after modeling this method of discipleship, Jesus says to everyone, who, to everyone, either you're going to help me gather, or you, or you're going to help me, or you're, or you're going to help me scatter. But you can't do both. Jesus says, by loving people, 
you help bring them into the kingdom of God. But by judging them and turning to the, the sin of judgment, you actually scatter them, push them afar off. The words of Jesus are serious, but so is the work that he has called us to. And when we find ourselves in our evangelistic zeal, tempted to revert to hatred rather than love, after being beaten up by this life and all of its burdens, we are to remember Jesus. We are to remember Jesus' words. Come to me. Come to me in prayer. Come to me in the blessed sacrament of the altar. Learn from me. For I am true wisdom. I am the embodiment of wisdom. I will give you rest. Not only rest for your bodies, but rest for your souls. For as the songwriter says, we shall not boast in anything, nor gifts, nor power, nor wisdom, but only in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.